Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Time to start looking forward. What a weekend! What a week it is, and then weekend on the sports calendar. A little bit of everything. It's got uh, college and pro football with the Longhorns back at home for the first time in a month. Cowboys and Texans back after their bye week. The National Football League We've got the World Series coming to Texas on Friday night. Uh, Astros won it last year. Rangers looking to keep it in the Lone Star State where it belongs. That World Series World Championship trophy. They now know their opponent. And who would have thunk? The Arizona Diamondbacks, the baby snakes, as I call them. Uh, I mentioned uh, Brett, Brent Strom, their pitching coach. And what a great job he did at Houston. They were emerging as a power. Now he's doing it with the Diamondbacks. And I uh, got a text here that says, Coach Strom helped the Westwood High, high School pitching staff in 2010. Whoa. Yeah. Man. Good friend of, ATX connections, huh? Yeah. Good, good friend of Bart Bratcher and uh, Gary Long. Nice. Well, you know, I remember there were times where the Round Rock Express were the affiliate Astros, for the Astros yeah. and the Rangers and – there's just so much ties to Central Texas through that uh, with both of those organizations. That's what made that series so much fun in the seven-game series it was. Uh, but Brent Strom doing great work. Uh, and, you know, this this kind of no-name pitching staff that has uh, – No-name pitching staff. I think there's a lot of no-name stuff Well, no-name team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there's a lot. But, I mean, America's going to get to know the Diamondbacks. You're right. I mean – well, the starting pitcher last night for the uh, Diamondbacks was a guy named that we, we told you about him to keep, and he's been really good in the postseason. He was terrible in the regular season, Rod, uh, but he was great in the postseason. Brandon Fought, but it's spelled P F A A D T. Okay. And everybody looks at him and goes, His name's Fat? <laughs> this guy's name's Brandon Fat? Fat? Because he's fat. <laughs> uh, but he pitched good, but then he gave up two runs, and the bullpen was unbelievable. Uh, at the end, they got a kid named uh, Kevin Ginkle. This guy was throwing a curveball like you can't believe, and he went through right through in the eighth inning. He went through the the, the Schwarber um, he, he, with a runner on. He came in because a, a, a young guy came in and walked two guys, and he came in and got Trey Turner to pop out. He had to face Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper. Uh, in a game situation with that crowd going crazy, ended up getting them five outs, Kevin Ginkle. And, again, you're like, who? Who are these guys? Well, they're pitching great in big Damn moments right. and doing things that no one else has been able to do, and that's get Bryce Harper out in big spots, get Kyle Schwarber and keep him in the yard. After falling behind 2 nothing, that young team has uh, won four out of five. So much like the Rangers, just defying the odds to put themselves into the uh I love that you said much like the Rangers because they also lost 100-plus games two years ago. Yeah. Both the Rangers and the D-backs. And now I think they went about a different way. I don't know if the D-backs spent the money that the Rangers did. Uh, the Rangers spent a lot of money to try to revamp that roster, and they paid off for them. Um, so maybe they did it in different ways. But that is remarkable that both both of these franchises each lost 100-plus games in 2021. Uh, that's the most and the second most losses two years prior to a team reaching the World Series because well, they lost 110 and the Rangers lost 102. Well, and both crazy. And both teams stumbled into the playoffs. The Rangers had a week, the final week of the year. They went three and four, and kind of coughed up to the division to the Astros. Um, you know, so they had to come through the wild card. The Diamond, remember, the Astros swept the Diamondbacks the last weekend of the regular season. Yeah, that's wild. To secure too. the division, yeah. and they didn't look like a. I mean, they were going to the playoffs because they had clinched the wild card spot in the National League, but they didn't look like it. It'd be a formidable team. Was that on the road? Yeah, it was in Arizona. Uh, of course it was. Yeah, <laughs> Houston's good on the road. Houston loves where they like to be. I was say, it wasn't at home. You know, keep the light. 
light on for you at the Motel 6. <laughs> we'll be good. Astros will be fine. Uh, but the Rangers did the same, right? They, they went 3-4 and four and uh, kind of disappointing way to end it, even though they qualified for the playoffs for the first time in a while. Uh, then they, they just stormed into Tampa, stormed into Baltimore, rallied from, you know, the 3-2 deficit to beat the Astros. So these are two similar teams. Uh, more talent, it appears, at least name talent, on, right. the, uh, on the Rangers. I'd also say for Longhorn fans out there, remember Ivan Melendez is making his way through this Arizona organization, and he's one of their top prospects. So mm-hmm. uh, nice foundation built. You might start seeing Ivan Melendez, the Hispanic Titanic, that's right, uh, starting to, to play for a team that's going to be in the mix every year. Because they pitch like that, they're going to be good, even if it's Brandon Fat. Oh, yeah. Give me some fat. Ginkle, fat. You said fat is how they pronounce it? Gallon. Uh, they call it fat. Yeah, it's Maybe his alter ego is fat. Yeah, he, uh, he was, <laughs> yeah, he's feeling fat because they're going to the World Series. It opens at Arlington. So, yeah, good baseball, good basketball. The NBA starts tonight. We heard uh, we could pick up that conversation, too, in this hour because I thought Jerry Hamilton put a good one out there. Athletes that are unlike others, right? The, the unicorns, the uh, – what do you call them, aliens, Rod? Mm, they are. And Jerry cited Tiger Woods, who he saw in a U.S. amateur when he was still still an amateur, and it, he was convinced, like, if that guy stays with it and, and really wants it, he'll change the game. And he was right, prophetic on that. He said LeBron James was another. We talked about Barry Sanders and, and Adrian Peterson at a young age. Mm-hmm. This kid's not even 20 years old yet, Rod. No, he's a baby. He's a baby. He is, man. And, he, and some people think that he's he, – because his body is still not maturing yet. It's still not done maturing. He, he doesn't totally have the grown man body yet. And it's like that is scary thought that he's going to feel out soon. <laughs> like in yeah. like three, four years, he's going to feel out that frame. And it's going to be – ooh, he, right now he kind of looks like a baby giraffe sometimes. Right he now. does. Like it's like, uh, you know, they hadn't all come together yet. But when it does, ooh, that's a scary thought. It yeah. is a scary thought, man. Cause he, and he's got he – ha- he can handle the rock. For a man that most big men like that can't run, and most big men like that can't run, he can run because his dad was a track coach. Oh, wow. So he actually can run. Like most big men, they look awkward. They look weird. He actually can't open up and run the floor. Oh, man. I, I, he's one of those. There are certain athletes, and there are a lot of these guys where you have to – they're on a bucket list that you would pay money to see, like you would pay money just to see, see that athlete. Person. I don't give a damn about the matchup. I'm not really concerned about who they're playing. I'd pay money. LeBron James was like one of those guys, right? You pay money to see LeBron James. Shohei, I'm sure, is in that category now. Messi, now that he's an American, is in that category. How Shaq. many American athletes? Shaq was there. How many American athletes are currently in that realm where, no, 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 I'll pay the price of admission, and I know it's going to be a steep price. I know. I'm going to spend a whole lot of my monthly income <laughs> on that damn ticket, but it's well worth it because I'll be able to tell my kids and my him. kids' kids, oh, yeah, I saw him. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw LeBron. Oh, I saw him in person. Well, yeah, yeah. I, think, oh, I uh, saw Wimby is in that category already. Yes. That's crazy well, to think. And Jerry mentioned the comments of coaches now that they've played a preseason game against him, got them to see him with their own eyes, and they're like, oh, man. Right. We got a problem. I, I ain't never seen nothing like this. We got a problem. Yeah. Uh, this, this, you know, and you know, there's been times when the Cowboys with Micah Parsons looked like that at times. Where you're like, Micah oh, wow. could be one of them dudes. Yeah. Uh, he's got to yeah. keep getting better. You're right. I wish he would stop doing his podcast, but he's not going to do that. You're right. Uh, but man, he does things on a field. And you're like, wow. That's I true. I never seen that before. He's got some freaky stuff going on. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek's an alien. (laughs) Never seen anybody that fast on a football field. Never have. He's an alien. Hey, let's get to the headlines, trending topics to uh, start just Wednesday morning. There are several. Let's go. Top Gun Reynolds and Lottaquin bring you the top stories, and really the Longhorns, of course, coming off that ugly win, quote-unquote. That's what Steve Sarkeesian called it on Monday. Their win at Houston where they rolled out to a 21-point lead, had to hold on with a fourth down stop late to improve to 6-1. 
the phrase ugly win was key for head coach Steve Sarkeesian Monday. said you can coach hard and fix the issues and come out and play better the next week. Well, the next week is here. They're going to return home for the first time in a month. Uh, Saturday afternoon, host the 5-2 BYU Cougars. They now have to get a game plan built around a backup quarterback in Malik Murphy, who will be making his first career start. It's a BYU defense that ranks pretty low in a lot of the key categories of defense, but they are third in the country in turnovers forced and turnover margin. Uh, they took five, had five turnovers in their win over Texas Tech last week in Provo. Game will kick at 2.30 Saturday. Uh, much more on that matchup, obviously, throughout the day and all week long here on the Horn. Elsewhere, a federal jury in Waco yesterday found Baylor University negligent in a Title IX lawsuit and awarded a former student who alleged she was physically abused by a football player in 2014 $270,000 in damages. In siding with the former student Dolores Lozano, jurors held that Baylor maintained a policy of deliberate indifference to reports of sexual harassment that put her at risk. Yesterday's verdict comes a month after Baylor settled a separate years-long federal lawsuit brought by 15 women who alleged they were also sexually assaulted. Baseball, we mentioned it, the stunner in Philadelphia last night. Diamondbacks beat the Phillies 4-2. to two. Baby Snakes, who won just 84 games in the regular season, are now playing in the World Series, their first since they won the whole thing in 2001. They'll play the Rangers at Globe Life, opening up on Friday night. NBA last night to start the regular season. Nuggets beat the Lakers after they raised their championship banner, 119-107. Already a triple-double on the board for Nikola Jokic. And uh, in San Francisco is the road the visiting Suns, Phoenix, beating Golden State 108-104. Devin Booker at 32. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Runners and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Yeah, I've been watching throws from Malik, um, and very few of them, obviously, uh, from the spring game and from the Rice game. You know, the, the the U of H game. I think he had two passes in that game, and one of the things that I I, I can't wait to see in terms of Sark opening up the offense. And we'll talk more about this when we go behind the burn orange curtain and dive into some detail. They, he's a he's a way different type of passer than Quinn. Arm talent galore in that quarterback room. I mean, he's arm talent all over the place. Quinn's got great arm talent. In, I'm talking about NFL caliber arm talent all throughout that room. But arm talent is not all the same. Right? Quinn's arm talent is more about his off-platform throws, the accuracy, and the touch. Um, he can he can touch every blade of grass, but in the intermediate area is where he really shines, which is usually the toughest area for young quarterbacks to be able to to, to execute and to to, to to throw the football is because there's a lot happening in intermediate area. Short passes are easy passes, easy completions. Those are just extended handoffs most of the time. Uh, just a long handoff. And the deeper pass actually translates a little bit more for the, the young quarterback because you're not having to read as much most of those deep deep routes that you're throwing a nine route or a post route you're reading one guy you're reading that deep safety or you're reading whether he's in man-to-man coverage and that that I think that type of throw translates a little bit better and easier for young quarterbacks but for Quinn if you notice Sark started dialing back the the deep ball with Quinn and he was throwing a lot of intermediate throws even some point where they were stretching the intermediate area where he was throwing 20-yard curl routes at times, right? 18, 20-yard curl routes. And that was Sark really maximizing the skill set of Quinn because Quinn is really accurate and has great touch on those throws. Uh, Malik doesn't have the touch that Quinn did. That's nothing nothing against Malik. This is not part of his game just yet. I'm sure on some plays he's going to have to touch those. But even go, go think about that U of H game. Think about the two throws he threw. Now, he was really excited. He was really hype. Through fastballs. Fastballs. <laughs> He's gonna, but that's part of his game. I'll give you a quote here from 
Uh, I believe it's uh, maybe it's John Tay Cook that I get the, got this quote from. And shout out to the folks over at Inside Texas, always doing a great job. Um, and actually, yeah, it is. It's uh, no Xavier Worthy. Sorry, Xavier Worthy. Um, and he said he says about uh, Malik, he's just a confident person. I feel like he has a lot of confidence regardless of what's going on. I feel like he's going to do what he needs to do to execute at a high level. And then there's a Jade Barron quote. Because he's a defender. He's had to defend, right? He has to go up against Malik in practice. So he, he knows Malik, pro- honestly, probably as well, if not better than the receivers do. Because the receivers, Xavier really don't catch balls from Malik. I'll tell you that right now. He's catching balls from Quentin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Now he is, because now he's running first team with Malik. But he's probably now getting used to like, oh, damn, this dude throws a fastball. A lot of used to that touch. Because uh, you know who else was a fastball thrower? Sims was. Sims. Sims was, y'all remember, Sims was a fastball thrower. He, he put a lot of velo on it at times, would be even late in his delivery. Instead of being anticipatory, he'd be late in delivery because he knows – Man, I got the gun to get it there. I'll get it there. And that wasn't always he the also, right decision. He also saw some <laughs> slant routes go the other way that he thought yeah, he could thread the needle. Exactly, exactly. But that's that's like I said, that's the danger of the the quarterback that believes, you know what? Um, I'm I'm throwing fastballs to get it there. And then you gotta you gotta add the touch. You gotta add the touch. Here's today Barron's quote. I love this quote. I feel like he'll run the ball a little bit more. I like that about him, but his size allows him to get the ball out there. He likes to zip it. They like to throw a little bit different. Quinn Ewers has a touch. Malik is kind of a fastball person. Y'all will see. He has a lot of power. He's a strong, athletic kid. He looks like a defensive end. So he's, <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's going to be throwing fastballs. And nothing wrong with that. But I think Sark will recognize that in his game. And Sark will make the, the necessary uh, adjustments. To, to the game plan, which is like I, I think he'll take away some of the intermediate throws that Quinn was so comfortable with. Remember, he talked about we all. I, I know I check boxes and I write down and document plays that each quarterback is comfortable with, each quarterback likes, each quarterback uh, runs really well at a really high and competent level. So I think you're going to take away some of the intermediate throws uh, away from this offense, and I think you're going to get back some more of the deep shots. Because uh, Malik probably has a better deep ball than Quinn. That wasn't a natural uh, strength in Quinn's game. He got better at it. Probably had his best deep throw to Xavier Worthy in the U of H game that we've seen since he's been on the Fort Acres. But the, the deep ball, I think, may come back because it's easier for, for Malik. And he's got just a strong arm. He's a cannon. And I think the intermediate game will – I think that will subside. Not as many intermediate throws. If they do throw intermediate throws, it will be RPOs where you're manipulating matchups with just one defender, making easy, simple reads other than having to go through a progression read and throw to the intermediate part of the field. Not even Quint is great going through an entire progression read. We know that the deeper you get into the progression, the, worse, the more indecisive Quint is. Right. He's a he's on a first read rhythm quarterback. That's what you want from him. Not sure if that is Malik. Yeah, we're getting to learn a lot about him. And uh, for Quinn, he did throw a beautiful deep ball to Xavier oh, on Saturday. That second fantastic. touchdown. That was a hell of a throw it and catch, really was. showing the the touch you're talking about. Uh, no man, we're eager. And uh, you know, you asked Jerry Hamilton the question. You know, will we see both quarterbacks? I thought that was an interesting debate. And we'll talk about that more. I. I I, I do think you have to get two quarterbacks ready. I mean, at this point no where you're number seven in the country and you're trying to win games, as, as Jerry said, and, and you put one out, Rod, you're, you're one play away from March Manning being your quarterback. And that may be a good thing, but at the same time, do you, do you, if you're Sark and you're dialing up your game plan with A.J. Milwee and Kyle Flood this week, are you giving a series to Arch, regardless of score? Just saying, Arch, third series is yours, bro. Uh, we're yep. going. Uh, it's, here's the plays we're going to put in for you. Yep. Uh, we need you. We need you to get get on the field here at home, in front of your crowd. Because you know, the last thing you want is any quarterback or any player to get hurt. But you don't want them, you know, 
Malik to go down in Fort Worth on, at a night game or whatever or uh, at Ames, Iowa, and all of a sudden here comes Arch Manning. He's not even, you know, not ready. been on the field before. Yep. I think this, the, this game with – because, you know, next week's K-State. That could be the yep. biggest game of the year for Texas. I, I think right now it is in terms of the, what they've so far. Post-Oklahoma yeah. and maybe the rest of the yes. way, that, that's totally a huge agree. game because K-State's on the come. BYU is 5-2, and two, and I promise you uh, I'm not taking them lightly, but I am saying that the statistics – match up to where Texas is much better than BYU. You know, yards per play, offense yeah. versus defense, defense versus offense. The only way BYU's in the game is if Texas turns the ball over, and that's the one thing BYU does very well, really well. is force turnovers. Mm-hmm. And if they, Texas can protect the ball, which is to your point about Malik, I expect a pretty conservative game plan here to try to, you know, just get the win in this game. But are you for Arch Manning just getting a, a series maybe each half, maybe two, just to get him on the field? Um, I do think you need to get him some real live reps in the game. I just don't know where it's going to be. And, you, and you, I, I'm not – uh, you can do it the way you said. Just give it to him in third series. I remember Mac Brown doing that. Uh, yeah, Mac Brown. Yeah, he would just say me. third series is yours. Um, <laughs> I was in for the Sims Applewhite controversy, and yeah, whether you think Mac handled it well or mishandled it, yeah, Mac would fig- Mac figured, hey, I'm throwing a young kid out there. I'm giving him reps, and I want the reps to be like real live, relevant reps early in the game, not late uh, garbage time reps. And I don't know if you want Arch in that. Well, hopefully you can get to garbage time, but there ain't no guarantee you're gonna get there. You know, you would hope that you get that kind of lead. You ain't had that kind of lead really all year. The only, the only one was Rice. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Rice went on like a nine-minute fourth quarter drive and you didn't have the ball. Yeah, so why would you think, oh, all of a sudden now. Well, I mean, you playing, didn't, didn't. Yeah, with a backup quarterback, you're going to blow him out. Maybe that's Malik. You know, he has coming out party and maybe it is good. That, if you had that type of situation, then great. That's a first-world uh, issue. And, you know, I think Texas will gladly have to deal with that. But I think you need to prepare and plan as he just mentioned, getting Art some reps in that game and, and assuming that it may end up being a fourth-quarter game. Like, like a lot of your games have been. you got to go win in the fourth quarter. If that's the case, you're not just rotating quarterbacks for the hell of it at that point. And, 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 and also, you, at, you know, at, at one time during this game, at one point, you need to make sure that you have control of the game. Um, in terms of being able to put the quarterbacks out there. So that's why I'm with you. I think the game plan will be mostly a running – it'll be a, a run-oriented game plan. We know Sark loves to pass to open up the run. Not anymore. He'll be a run-first team. And that's why I think it is likely, like you said, they can get Arch in the game early because I don't know how many passes he's going to be throwing. Yeah. You know, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be a, a really a, conservative game plan. It's a real good debate. Yeah. And I mentioned, if you go to the Big 12 website, big12sports.com, Texas should be able to run the football, even if they stack the box a little bit here. Uh, this is not a great rush defense. I mean, you think by BYU's going to be big and physical, and they may be, but their numbers tell you they give up rush yards. They I mean, rush yards. they're yeah. dead last in the Big 12 rod, yard, rod and yards per play allowed. Uh, so there, you know, you should be able to create offense with your big, your big humans up front. Um, as we've talked about, one of the real bright spots of the win over Houston was the health of CJ Baxter, the explosiveness of CJ Baxter. Uh, that was a, those were those were good things. Yep. Yeah, BYU's way down there. I mean, they allow 5.6 yards per play, um, which is not good. Um, the only Kansas allows more. Kansas and Baylor allowing more yards per play than than this BYU team. Uh, and, then, you know, it's across the board. Their, their rushing oh, yeah. defense isn't great. Their passing defense isn't great. No. Um, They're below average pretty much in all categories. Below average or bad. Except for the turnovers. Except for the turnovers. And that's where this becomes ball security game big time. Well, yeah. Especially one. with an inexperienced quarterback. Yes. You know, that could easily happen. I think they have 11 interceptions of their 16 takeaways. Uh, so, yeah, they get them through the air. And a young quarterback, they'll be trying to confuse him. 
We'll talk about that when we go behind the burn orange curtain, what their game plan might be. Yes, sir. All right, we'll do that. Also more on the, the World Series matchup, Rangers-Diamondbacks, which should be fun. Also the uh, NBA, Victor Wembanyama. Which, which athletes, you know, North American or all over the world, would you pay your own dollars to go see uh, who would be worth it? This guy might be just that for sure. It. Uh, we'll take that currently, but certainly over the course of time. I always said Allen Iverson when he was at his peak. I would say oh, I, that I, was would, fun. I would say I would pay yeah. that. I would pay to see that guy play live because he was so dynamic. He was like Tyreek Hill on a basketball floor to mm-hmm. me because like, he was so quick. But he was this little guy in this land of giants. Oh man, it stood and out. And he'd be too. fooling him. Uh, he crossover. Ooh. Oh man, just nasty. Um, even though he didn't like to practice, you know, just talking about <laughs> practice, man. Hey, but the games, the games, the games. games. <laughs> he was on, brother. That uh, dude almost carried the, the Philadelphia Seventy yeah. Sixers by himself to a championship uh, when they played the Lakers in the finals. And they didn't have enough ammo to beat Kobe and company, but man, right about that, That's what a great doing. player he, he was, was. On that list. All right, we'll come back. We will go behind the BOC. We've got off the record before the end of the hour. Got to hit that. Stories maybe you haven't heard, but you need to on this uh, Wednesday morning, dragging you up over the hump on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Rod Paper. Austin, Texas Sports. The Horn. Yeah, one hour from now, we'll have our set list ATX, our man Nick Shuley with the best live music in the ATX coming this weekend, including Gary Clark Jr. playing at the LCL stage. That'll be fun. Head of the Longhorn game with BYU. Just had that underdog fantasy. Uh, Rod, Ty, uh, what, what would you be your mo- morning prediction for the uh, the Victor Wembanyama opening game line? Like, what would you – what are you looking for? Ty, what points. Points, rebounds, blocks. What do you, what do you, what would be a, uh, an accurate prediction on what we might see from the 19-year-old tonight against a, a Mavericks team that obviously has high aspirations this year uh, with with Luka Doncic and company? What uh, I go three, I go two and a half uh, blocks, and I'll take the over. Over, over yeah. two and a half block. He, he's going to get blocks on just. He, he gets them. It's so easy. Three pointers. Yeah, I'm saying he, he gets them all over the court. That's why I, I know he's going to get multiple blocks. He gets them all over the court. Yeah, he, he you know, shots that normal that mm. you normally think. Oh, that's a, he can't get to that shot. Oh, he gets to he it. He gets to it. So. Uh, Jerry mentioned the Clay Thompson. He blocked a three, a twenty-four foot three pointer. It's like what the hell, man? You got to adjust <laughs> like your, your your arc and everything when you're when he's defending you. It's crazy. Yeah, he's a he's a condor down there. Uh, Ty, do you have a thought on uh, maybe points, rebounds, blocks? I'm going to go with 11 points, six rebounds, and one block. 11 points, six boards, one block. Just one? Just one. Just one. I think he gets one a quarter. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think blocks is about the easiest one to predict. He'll definitely have more than one block. Because that's, be the, that's where – Yeah, the expectation. Nervous. Well, I think at home uh, – no, Defense is the, what, what he, he can do without, without having to worry about nerves. Like, defense is what he's great at. He can be – he's an elite defender already. What he's got to work on is the offensive game. That's right, and I think the Spurs can take some heat off on, on that role. But, yeah, I think you can expect him to be you know, 15.8 rebound, three block kind of guy night by night. Just, you know, you get 15 points on garbage. Uh, you know, just rebounds. Yeah, and right. That's a great point. Yeah, we forget about that because he's so ins, long. Yeah. Tip backs, rebounds, putbacks, dunks on, on breaks and stuff because he run, does run the floor. I can't, really keep, I can't wait till they keep up with the Wimby ratings, even nationally. 
Because, I mean, you know, locally, hell, Spurs ratings are always strong uh, locally because the Spurs fans are just really committed. But nationally, people have never tuned in for Spurs games nationally. They just haven't. Especially in October. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, even in the playoffs, though, the ratings usually were a little down, even though the Spurs are, you know, a dynastic team, a dynastic organization, because people just weren't that interested in the Spurs and their star power. But this guy is different altogether. And people just want to tune in to see, like you said, the freaky alien on the floor and all of the different things that he can do. Um, yeah, I'll I, be tuned in. I, I gotta watch it. I'm no DVR it. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta record that. Is this a nationally televised game? Uh, Ooh, that's let a, me double. It's gotta be NBA wouldn't be that short sighted. Gotta with Wimby. And we yeah, get the Spurs I mean, in Austin, right? And Luca. We do. Oh, Luca's Luca's gonna hit Wimby with a nasty Euro stepper. So he's he's gonna make him look silly at least once in this game. I don't disagree with that. that. I mean, he's Luca though. I mean, Luca makes a lot of people look silly. Yeah, exactly. But that dude does. Ain't no uh, shame in that. Ain't no shame in that. Making go. a guy that's uh, six six five or seven five or whatever look silly. That, that, yes, that, that it looks is a little nationally. Bit worse. That's true. Good it is a nationally televised game on ESPN. But think about making Wimby look silly. You can make him look silly initially, and he's so long that he actually can make up for it on the back end. <laughs> so you can make him look silly, and you can get you can get around him, but you're still not actually around him because of how long he is. Um, that's why he's a great defender. He he doesn't always have to have you know a great technique and fundamentals because he can rally really good defensively because he of the length, the length. He just puts up an arm out there, and he can he can defend shots that other guys just can't even get close to. Yeah. Uh, he's a freak. Uh, I'll be looking forward to it tonight. That is the ESPN game, 7 o'clock tip from oh, San Antonio. That's going to be good. Uh, that's why we say eyes of the NBA world will be on this game to see his impact, what he can be. Uh, people, we've been waiting for this for years. I mean, the Wemby sweepstakes, we've known about it for two years now. Uh, mm-hmm. When he was 17 years old playing over in France and – uh, at one point playing with Tony Parker's professional team over there. So this thing has been known. It's kind of like LeBron James when LeBron was a 16-year-old kid and, you know, dominating the mean streets of Akron, Ohio, and, uh, yep. you know, on the covers of magazines, which you had to wait for him to get to the Cavs. Um, you know, Tiger Woods, Jerry, Jerry Hamilton mentioned, Tiger was a, a phenom as an amateur, you know, winning tournaments when he was 12, 13 years old against, you know, high school players. Uh, but you had to wait to see it. And then when he did, you're like, oh, boy. Uh, but I, now in this, you know, endeavor this sport it may take him a little while to to, to grow into his body and play against grown men I agree mean, that, that's what i'm saying yeah he, he can tell he still doesn't have his grown that was men the body. thing lebron james already had the body that was he, he was yeah. kind of like a, you know jerry adrian peterson, peterson had yeah. the body yeah lebron yeah. already had the body to handle it he he had to work on his jump shot and just the physicality of that game but he had the body to withstand it and you know that's going to be team's game plan is to get real physical with one by one by that's the one thing I would say though, Rod. He he's been playing in professional basketball. He wasn't playing in college basketball with other mm-hmm. college kids. He's been playing with adults. Yes, he has been for a while now. Now he's going to play. That's with, why he switched leagues over there. Yeah, because he, he wanted to play a more physical, the most physical brand that he could play over there. That's that, right. Yeah, and so now you know because you know college bigs typically grow up playing with college bigs. And so you're still more physically dominant. He's played – now you're going to play with better bigs and better adults now, the best in the world. But look forward to seeing that tonight. I'll be tuned in this evening. Uh, all right, Rod, let's go behind the burnt orange curtain. we got Texas football. Uh, so many cool storylines here, just, you know, interesting storylines. Longhorns are top seven in the country. They're mm-hmm. six and one. They're still in control of their destiny at this point. But now they have a backup quarterback and a quarterback situation. They've got to navigate a really critical moment for Steve Sarkeesian. Let's go behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? 
All right, let's start to uh, talk about BYU a little bit. But actually, mostly this week is about Texas. <laughs> and, you know, what is Texas capable of? with Malik Murphy as the uh, backup quarterback. Um, uh, even if Arch Manning's getting out there, what is, he, what is the offense capable of with those two uh, starting, uh, starting at the quarterback position? Um, Malik's obviously going to start that game, but you have to have Arch Manning ready to play. And as he mentioned, this is a really good, favorable, it's a favorable situation. It's a good, favorable situation for a young quarterback to make their first start because at least you're at home. That always helps. Um, but here's the uh, statistical rankings for the uh, BYU defense in the most uh, notable defensive categories. Scoring defense, 61st. That's not terrible. Uh, they're 80th in rush defense, 100th in pass defense, 98th in total defense, 103rd in third down defense, 99th in 10-plus yard plays allowed, 85th in 20-plus yard plays allowed, 130th in tackles for loss, 127th in sacks. It is, it's a fa- seven sacks, Rod. Yeah, exactly. So I said, it's a favorable matchup. Now, the only thing that is not necessarily a favorable matchup when in regards to Texas versus BYU and Texas offense versus BYU's defense, they are a very opportunistic defense. They uh, lead the Big 12 in takeaways uh, with 16, got 16 takeaways, and they're, they're third in the country, second in the Big 12 in turnover margin. Uh, actually, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is second in the country uh, and actually lead the Big 12 in turnover margin. In this matchup, that's going to be huge because we actually don't know if Malik Murphy is – careless with the football or not we just haven't seen enough of Malik Murphy to know if he's careless with football if he is and young quarterbacks have growing pains um, and even if he's not careless with the football he can end up making a mistake or two if he ends up making a mistake um, you know and turning the football over that's how BYU is winning football games it's not with elite offense (laughs) and it's not with elite defense they're just winning turnover margin they're not beating themselves all right, they're not beating themselves, and they're allowing opponents to make mistakes and ultimately beat and ultimately to beat themselves. So they try to play as much mistake-free football as they can. That's going to be important for Texas. That's why you can expect the game plan to be a little bit conservative. Uh, not only because you got a young quarterback out there, and the best friend of a young quarterback is a running game, uh, but also because this is the one thing that BYU can hurt you with is takeaways. They got 16 of them. That's top five in the country. And that's not just. In terms of takeaways, they're, they're fifth in the country in takeaways. Well, that's you, one thing they do good defensively. Um, so I think that's what they're going to try to lean their head on. And, and what they're going to do is, and Sark knows this because he said, i got to start preparing for this because half of your opponents, more than half of your opponents, have presented you with a look on game day that they did not show you on film, which means they had a special game plan just for you because they really like <laughs> all right, they really like Steve Zarkeesian. So you can expect BYU, especially since there's a, a personal factor here with Steve Sarkeesian, that being his alma mater, him playing quarterback there and uh, the head coach and Steve Sarkeesian having familiarity and knowing each other and being uh, former you know, coaches with each other, that kind of thing. I think you can expect BYU to have a similar uh, approach to Oklahoma, to U of H, to Wyoming and to Rice to throw something at Texas that they did not expect, that they did not prepare for on the field that they did not see on film. Yeah, that's well said. And uh, you mentioned the, the the national stats. I mean, the fact that they're 60th in total in scoring defense, they'd be a lot lower if they weren't getting these turnovers, right? I mean, that's no really skewing it. Yes. And I again, I was in Fort Worth, actually up that way at my daughter's um, deal for my daughter in Denton when t- when TCU played BYU. So the game was on wherever we were. Uh, in near Fort Worth, and that game was never close. And TCU is not very good, Rod. 
TCU started yeah. a backup quarterback and their young quarterback in that game, and they didn't turn the ball over, and they won it easily. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, I remember some eyebrows were raised when BYU beat Arkansas and Fayetteville. They were like, ooh, that's a big win. Well, now you look up, and Arkansas is 2-6 and six and 0-5 oh and in the Struggling. SEC. And the, 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 the bloom is off the rose for Sam Pittman now in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not a very good team. And so that's who they beat. So the the five and two record is deceiving, but the Longhorns, you know, they're six and one. We know they just won on a good fortune call at the end of a ball game in a a bad spot, and they had to hold on for that game. But they they on paper this shouldn't be a very close football game, even with a backup quarterback, because you are at home. You do have a week to get that quarterback ready to go, uh, and it's 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 a game you need to go get a victory against because BYU, they just some every metric tells you they don't match up on lines of scrimmage yet. They don't, and that's it was the same conversation about Houston, uh, these new schools that are coming into the Big Twelve, and, and Dana Holgerson even said it. You know, we were playing a four down line in the American Athletic Conference, and we were pretty good at it on defense. We went to the Big Twelve. We realized pretty quickly you pushed around that ain't gonna work. Now with now with your <laughs> now with your four guys, yeah, not until yeah. we start recruiting to the yeah. Big Twelve level. We ain't going to do that. Yep. Uh, so, and BYU, even though they have big physical veteran players, mm-hmm. it's a different animal. It's a different animal. Texas should be able to win with their big humans, Rod. And that's the other thing about BYU, what they don't have that Houston had last week, they don't have those receivers. No, they don't. And they don't have the quarterback. Right? Right. Keaton Slovis, uh, I hate to say it, he's no Donovan Smith <laughs> um, because he doesn't have the element of the run game. He doesn't have uh, the functional mobility. Um, he's not a dual-threat quarterback. Um, but also they don't have the talent on the outside to hurt Texas in, 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 in open space. Houston had right? great receivers going. They're really yeah. good receivers, we said. We said that over and over last week. That, Tried to warn you. <laughs> yeah, Matthew Golden and Manjack and all these dudes. Then this walk-on steps up. And now they got four good receivers down yeah. there in Houston. Uh, BYU doesn't seem to have that kind of firepower. And you mentioned Keaton Slovis. How many teams has he been on? He's been a transfer portal darling. But as we found out last night from Jerry Hamilton, he's got negative 230 rushing yards for his career. Yeah, he's not. He's negative not, 230. Yeah. He's not. He's not a runner at all. And they don't have a sophisticated passing offense to hurt Texas. They run a lot of the crossing routes, as Sark said, but it's not terribly sophisticated. If they are hurting Texas on the same issues that U of H did and Oklahoma did, then man, we have to drop down the our, our expectations even more yeah. for that Texas defense. But I doubt that'll be the case. Um, okay, real quick, we got a couple pieces of sound here. Um, that I want to play in regards to uh, Malik Murphy and this, um, a couple of players. The first one, can we have the Corey Mose piece uh, here? Um, KD24. Yeah, he does a great job. Um, and he interviewed Tavondre Sweat and Christian Jones, asked him about uh, Malik Murphy in the locker room and asked him about his performance after the U of H game when he came in. Um, here is uh, Tavondre Sweat. He's the first one, and then after that is uh, Christian Jones. He played his ass off, I believe. He been at it in I believe so. It didn't shock me, you know what I mean? That's him. What's the comfortability factor when Malik comes to the level? What's the com- comfortability? Oh yeah, man, it's solid, solid. Uh, we practice with him. We got uh, reps with him every single every single day, every single week. And uh, he's a great, great quarterback, great athlete, doing his thing. And uh, man, I love blocking for him. And uh, he came up, he stepped up, and. Uh, he, he did his job and, and he he rallied the team to, to a win. So it's very very good to see from from him being young and uh, stepping up and and not not being too uh, too shy for the moment. So yes, sir. I like that the defensive guys are very confident in Malik because, like I said, they go up against Malik. I, I love Christian Jones, but Christian Jones does not practice with Malik. He doesn't, as he's a first team guy. He practices with Quinn. And now he's probably practicing with Malik because he's getting first-team reps. But the, the defense actually goes up against the second and the third-string quarterbacks often. 
because they're usually running scout team to try to get those guys some extra reps too. And I wonder, that's why the, the today Barron quote about Malik Murphy is really telling about the style of play you're going to get from Malik. And here's the quote. Uh, shout out to my friends in Inside Texas. He said, quote, I feel like he'll run the ball a little bit more. I like that about him, but his size allows him to get the ball out there. He likes to zip it. They like to throw a little bit different. Quinn has a touch. Malik is kind of a fastball person. Y'all will see he has a lot of power. He's a strong, athletic kid. Yeah, he's one of those fastball throwers. He's going to put a lot of velo on it. He's about force, all right, and he's about force to throw the ball, and he's about velo. I, I knew a guy like that. Sims was kind of a fastball thrower, not as much touch, all right. You probably want more accuracy. You probably want more accuracy with Malik, but you're going to be able to see, and you probably saw it even in the U of H game, he throws the ball with a, a different type of force on uh, with the football and the receivers got to get used to that too but interesting that they noticed that and even listen to Devondre sweat he's like oh no Ben had it in him which means that guy's made plays against us the first team defense remember the first one to say that Brock Purdy was the real deal were the 49ers defenders they were the first one to say oh no he's a real deal because they've been going against him in practice and they'd be like how's this dude lighting us up in practice hope nobody is uh reporting this because he's lighting us up that's who knows about the second, third string quarterbacks. All right, last cut. This is actually uh, Peyton Kirkland. And he was on a, a podcast. I think it's the Old Rap Podcast. So I want to make sure I give them credit. And he was being asked about the quarterbacks, period. And listen to him talk about Malik. Malik Murphy, the other quarterback, was also a five-star quarterback. Is, is he? Where's he from? I didn't know. He's he from California. From California? Okay. Malik, Malik is the truth. To be honest, yeah, I mean he's the truth. Yeah. You know, he controls he controls the field when he's out there. You know, and I love I love playing with Malik. I love playing with Quinn. I love playing with Malik, and I love playing with Arch. But Malik, that boy, true, he different. Mm. Huh. He, Interesting. So you guys, you, I mean, you feel confident no matter who who the coaches ended up choosing. All right, there you go. So he the truth. He like the truth. That. Shout out to my man, Forty Acres Landlord. Well, Peyton Kirkland, a young offensive line, would play a lot with Malik. Exactly, he plays with Malik. So the guys who are first team guys were like, he's like, yeah, take that, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt. But the second team guys and the defense that plays against Malik and practices against him, that those are the guys you need to listen to. And Peyton Kirkland, guys like Jade Barron, Tavondre Sweat, they're telling you Malik's the truth. Malik's the real deal. And this is a guy that probably could have started for I don't know twenty thirty. FBS programs right now easily. Easily. So he's he's not some scrub, you know what I mean, coming up. He's just inexperienced, and we don't know how that's going to translate. We haven't seen him because Texas hadn't been blowing teams out, so you haven't gotten to see him much. He's only thrown eight passes. I think we all left the spring game going, damn, I hope that guy stays. Amen. Everybody around the country saw that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yes, he, he could have had his choice, but he elected to stay. He's a competitor. Um, and got a, got some money to be here, but now he gets his time. He gets his time to shine. Uh, he's believed in Steve, Steve Sarkeesian and vice versa. All right, we come back. We'll go off the record. Good stuff with Rod behind the BOC uh, with the Malik Murphy debut coming up Saturday at 2.30. But off the record, some stories you haven't heard most likely, but you need to because everybody's going to be talking about them. Let's hook them up with Ian Rod. D.D. Mega doo-doo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get they break the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the big east. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of 
off the record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Off the record, and hate to see this um, news this morning that the star of the movie Shaft, Richard Roundtree, has died at the age of 81. Oh, what? Yeah, dead at 81. Oh, Trailblazer for uh, black actors in Hollywood and uh, the original Shaft. Oh, yeah, man. I remember that. And how about this story, Rod? The celebrity wedding. Did you know this? That the daughter of Kurt Cobain has married the son of Tony Hawk, the skateboarder. Hold on, say that again. The, the daughter of the late Kurt Cobain. The, the Kurt Cobain's daughter married Tony Hawk's son? son? Yes. Wow. And the officiant of their wedding, which happened over the weekend, was the lead singer of R.E.M., Michael Stipe. <laughs> so a lot of crossing Man. of genres there. Is Courtney Love skateboarding. her mom? Yes, Courtney Love is her mother. Oh, I'm, so that's, she was there too. Her name, her name. That's one of my big conspiracies right there on Uh-oh. Kurt Cobain's death. I, I think Courtney Love. Are you blaming her? Yeah, I think she's involved. Blaming what, do Courtney Lo- of, what do you mean one of your big you, – you believe in every conspiracy. That's one that, that I, I truly believe, though. <laughs> I, I, I truly there, 100% believe that one. Yeah. Francis, Francis Bean Cobain is her name. There is a, there's a documentary about Kurt Cobain's death and how uh, – Oh, I've seen suspicious. it. Suspicious. Oh, I've suspicious seen it. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's yeah. a tough watch, and those two were so drugged out. Yeah. I mean, Courtney Love could have done it and not even know. That, that's, kind of, that's kind of what they kind of get hitting at, too, is like, honestly, yeah, it could have been one of those situations. I mean, they were so they whacked were just, out. Yeah, they were just hey, two together. The biggest thing was the, the, the door was locked from the outside. Oh, that's and all. Of course, the and, and the, was and the, the uh, private investigator that she hired thinks that she did it or was involved. So just I, that's right. that's a good watch. I forgot what that one's called. Uh, that documentary is like that. It's yeah, it's like something. Thinking, yeah, could, white it, something. I will find it. It's like the. Uh, it is. I saw it on Like the Whitney Houston documentary that make doesn't say it, but makes it very clear that she she was probably a lesbian and had a longtime girlfriend that she could never really be oh with. yeah and it's basically the family would have been they didn't yeah. accept her and that's why or, she yeah. and bobby brown were so volatile and he got her into drugs and she was looking for an escape and all this other stuff soaked in bleach is the one i saw oh man i think that was the name of the one i saw yeah, well now francis bean is married to tony hawk's son wow okay there you go okay man all right what do you well, have rodding off the record uh, we're a little up against it i know i went long and got us up against it so no, we'll we're get good back on we're track. good we're good um no, because I got uh, one you got to explain. I want some sound. I want to play with it, so we won't do that. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. Got later time. On. We got five hours. We'll get going. We'll get to it coming up. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, we'll like, also we'll get, get a Rod's rant coming. We're also going to get our set list ATX with our guy Nick Shuley. I did say recorded this website, Cellmax, using uh, National Highway Safety D- Administration data. Most dangerous cities to drive, Rod? Indian Texas? No, in the country. Austin doesn't make the list. Dallas is number two. Behind Dallas Detroit. is number two. Detroit is number one. I can believe that about Detroit just because of the weather, too, with Detroit. Makes it really hazardous on the road. During New, the wintertime. New time? York and Boston, the safest. They, they use so much mass transit, though, in those I was going to say, nobody's driving, really. Well, there's people are driving, but not as but many people funny, as down south. This is just when I saw that story, I was like, you know what? I, I, I drive in Austin a lot, and I don't feel unsafe. There's sometimes I do, but mostly it's construction-related. Uh, traffic sucks here. When I go to Dallas, we went up there a bunch. We had a wedding. Go see my daughter. I Texas OU. Remember, I get to Dallas, I got people whizzing by me. It's crazy up there, man. Yeah, that's, people are nuts. People are aggressive drivers in Dallas. In Austin, people plus the roads are kind of all over the place. Drivers are bad in Austin because there's a lot of young drivers, and young drivers are bad drivers. College kids. College kids are bad drivers. Yeah. That's why I don't insure you. <laughs> I used to live off drivers. Riverside during college for several <laughs> years. Right on.